Well, hello, family. He is risen, and you're supposed to shout from your TV or wherever you are, your couch. He's risen indeed. He is definitely risen. This is a day that's been the most profound day in the last 2,000 years. This is a day that changed history. It changed the world. It certainly changed my world, and I hope it changed your world as well. In fact, there has been no other event, no other event in the history of mankind, the history of humanity that has changed the world as much as this day right here. In fact, this day is so powerful, it even split our calendar between BC and AD. See, Jesus was born and that modified the calendar, but it only would have happened if he rose from the dead. If he didn't, he'd have been like any other prophet. We're not going to modify our calendar with BC and AD, but he rose from the dead. And that means your very birthday, your birthday is given a date in the scope of history based on what Jesus did today. That is profound. I hope this message finds you at a good time and place with your family, friends, and loved ones. We are praying that you are safe from this current pandemic. The whole world is experiencing right now. Uh, and in the history of, we're living in times, guys. I believe we're living in the fulfillment of some prophetic times, and here's why. Uh, the Bible says in the latter days, in the latter days, uh, it says wisdom and knowledge will vastly increase. Well, we couldn't communicate things around the world until just very recently where people in the Amazon or in China and America can be on the same page at the same time. So we're living in times of fulfillment. It also says in the latter days, people will go to and fro very quickly, meaning transportation is going to ramp up exponentially. And that's how this virus spread because people are traveling all over the globe. So we're living in these crazy times. But it's also a time where the church is learning how to unite and how to love and get closer to Jesus, even in times like this. Um, historically, there's been times where the churches all get together in big celebrations, and it's times even under persecution where they had to meet in homes quietly, just with those loved ones and friends around you. And so that's kind of where we're at today. It's a little bit of a wake-up call for us. It's a little bit of a shock, a surprise. But our prayer for you is that you're finding God's purpose in all of this for your life. Right now that he slowed you down and those around you, uh, that you don't turn around and get busy with something else, but you find something distinctive uh, that he's calling you into and make the most of this opportunity. You might not ever have an opportunity like this again. You might not ever have an opportunity to be still working out of your home around the friends, family, and loved ones like this to get traction with the Lord. And I, my prayer is this message helps give you traction. That this message helps you understand the magnitude of his love, the power of his call, and the hope and future uh, that he has for you. And, and so we're going to jump in and look at the resurrection today, this profound celebration. There's over 300 verses in scripture about the resurrection. It's that big of a deal. And, and listen, the resurrection is not just God's plan for Jesus. The resurrection is God's plan for you. The resurrection is God's plan for you. You need to know that. And we're going to see how that applies to your life very distinctly. And I know uh, with, with a live stream, the audience varies. We have our local church family at Valley Metro Church. Shout out to the people we love. God bless you. Uh, we miss you and we can't wait to see you soon. And when this is gone, this whole coronavirus, we're going to give you all a big fat hug if you're cool with it. Otherwise, we'll do elbows if you're cool with that. Uh, but also, this is reaching other people. And, and my prayer, too, I want to challenge you to do this. 
I want to challenge you guys to, to put this, link this to your own page. Put this live feed on your own page. Some of you are going, uh, yeah, I don't do religion and politics on my own page. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and angels in heaven. So this is the one time of the year many of you can go public for God's glory with the click of a mouse, even on your phone. With the click, you can go public for God. It might be the easiest thing you've ever done and have the greatest far-reaching influence because today is the day, as many of us know, that people who have a respect for God but don't necessarily walk with him daily, maybe not in a church or reading his word or praying or in these sort of things, they will come and listen to the Easter message because it's honorable and it's a, a sense of maybe respect or, or duty. And that's great. That's amazing. It's a wonderful place to start. And that's why for allow God today to use your circle of influence. He gave you the circle of influence you have. Allow him to use that circle of influence. And the way you do it is simply share this stream to your own page so that more people can hear about the love of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be jumping in right now. And here's the setup. If, if any of you guys have celebrated Good Friday on Friday, uh, we did a live stream and uh, you guys know the story. It's the story of Jesus going to the cross. And uh, the story is this in summary, that on the cross, uh, Jesus said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. The Bible says that. Then he bowed his head, gave up his spirit, and before his body was taken down from the cross, before it was taken down, they had to make absolutely sure everybody was dead. And so what they did to Jesus is they put a spear in his side and blood flowed until water came out. And medically, when water comes out, that means there's no more blood to give. And now what that tells us is he loved you so much, he gave every single thing he had for you and I, which is absolutely profound. So he gave it all. He was absolutely dead. And they pierced his side. And then they laid Jesus' body in a tomb. And Jesus was in this tomb, cold, lifeless, for three days. Now that's remarkable because the Son of God became flesh and walked among us and calmed the seas and healed the sick and raised the dead. And, and this is a profound moment. In fact, it'd be a hard one to get our heads around if you and I were walking with Jesus and this were our reality right now, that our, our, our teacher and our savior and our Messiah all of a sudden is in a grave, cold and lifeless for three days. So he's laid in the tomb, this tomb, this tomb is fully secure. It is fully secure. In fact, it is so secure, we find out that uh, the, the Romans assigned at least three guards because they, they dispatched a, a group of guards and that would be at least three guards to have two awake and maybe one taking a nap. And so there's always two on watch. There's three of them there 24-7 around the clock. So this is a very secure uh, place and it's armed with the greatest warriors of their day. Roman soldiers were the most uh, battle combat ready. And so these guys are protecting, protecting this tomb so that nothing can happen. And to go a step further, uh, the Roman governor, Pilate, put his own seal on the tomb. And what that means is if you mess with this, you're messing with Caesar, essentially. And so uh, the consequences would be profound. The consequences would be death 
to mess with this. So everyone's intimidated. Nobody would dare to mess with it. And it's fully, fully guarded. And, and, and this is what I want to kind of point out to you right now. For the believers, I want you to put your place in the mindset of the believers in the first century. See, they walked with him. They talked with him. They laughed with him. They ate with him. They did all these amazing things. And now he's gone. And that's not what they expected. That's not what they hoped for. That's not what they thought this thing was going to be like. In fact, they were saying, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can you do this for me? Can you do this for my brother? Can you do? I mean, they're thinking it's right now. Certainly it's got to be right now. And Jesus is in a tomb, cold and lifeless for three days. Not what they thought. And I'm sure they were confused. And I'm sure they were very sad. And to be honest with you, we do the same things that they do. We too sometimes, when things in our life don't go the way we thought, the way we hoped, the way we planned, we too can be a little confused. We too can be a little saddened and go, what is going on? God, is it supposed to be like this? How come we're stuck in this zone? It's not the way we planned our life to be. This happens to many of us. And oftentimes, oftentimes it happens for a reason. And the reason that these guys are sad, the reason that these guys are confused right now is because of one thing. They forgot what Jesus had told them. They forgot what Jesus told them. They forgot that Jesus says, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. This is going to happen. But remember this. He says, I have the power to lay my life down and to pick it back up again. I have the power. No one's taken my life from me. I'm doing it sacrificially for you. And I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to pick it up again. Watch and I'll do it. Well, they forgot about that part. All they know is the one they love and honored and respected so dearly is cold and lifeless in a tomb. And I would suggest in your life and in mine, sometimes if you and I forget the words of Jesus, we too might get a little sad and disappointment sometimes. When we can't figure these things out in life, when we don't know why things change, we don't know why uh, the, the road took a curve and we're like, how did we end up here? Maybe some of you in the middle of this pandemic are struggling with some things and you're like, what's going on? How did it get like this? I want to encourage you, be reminded of the words of Jesus, especially at a time like this. It will get you through anything, anything. Some of you out there right now, you need to read Psalm 91 today because you're overwhelmed by all of this stuff going on with this pandemic. And God's got a word for you, Psalm 91. You come under the shadow of his wing, means you, you get closer to him and come under his love and protection, follow him. And he is gonna guide you from all pestilence and all uh, the enemy's snares. So, so some of you need to read that. But the point being, when we remember his words, we have far less anxiety and doubt and sadness in our lives. And so here's what it says in Matthew chapter 28. If you guys have your Bible, you can read this uh, with me. Uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28. We're going to look at a few different scriptures today. I'm going to fly through them pretty quickly. Uh, but they're really important to get the heart of and the magnitude of the resurrection into our minds and hearts today. It says this in verse 1 of Matthew 28. It says, after the Sabbath at dawn... On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So all of a sudden, Jesus is in this tomb for three days, cold and lifeless, cold and lifeless. It is sealed. There are guards. It is sealed and it is a crime scene if anybody would get there. And he did what he promised he would do. He conquered death. He absolutely conquered death. Death is not something that we think about conquering. Death is a reality. We're all born and we all die. And then there's a judgment, the Bible says. We don't think about conquering death, but the Bible says he conquered death. And I don't know what this looked like exactly, but I would assume that he's sitting there in this grave, completely dead in lifeness, and the Holy Spirit of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit is the, the pneuma, the wind, the very person of God in the form of his breath, life-giving breath of God. And the Spirit of God said, and breathe life. That Jesus is sitting there lifeless and cold for three days, and the Spirit of God goes, and all of a sudden, Jesus gets up, he takes those grave clothes, he rips them off of him, and he's like, death, get off me, get off me. He conquers death, he throws off the grave clothes, and when he does that, I believe that's when the earth shakes, the angel shows up in the passage. Every time they show up, they're crazy bright, bright as can be, and people are like, they can't really see. The guards, these Roman guards, these strongest soldiers, on the planet, the most highly trained Navy SEAL kind of guys you can imagine are on the ground like little schoolboys shaking in their boots. They were dead, like dead men. And when you're dead, you're not standing up. They're down on the ground shaking. So these guys are face to the ground. They can't deal with the light. They don't know what's happening. And they're shaking in their boots, literally. I believe what happened in the profoundness of the light, when you look at all the translations together, excuse me, the other gospels together, that in this midst of Jesus throwing off death and the stone rolling away and the angels shining the light and the guards face down and the women are like, what is going on here? I believe Jesus said, death, get off me and walked right out of that grave. He walked right out of the grave. That is profound. And then it says, the angel says to the women who arrived there, he says, Jesus is alive and you will see him again soon. And now they're rushing back to tell the others and they meet Jesus face to face. Now this is what you need to know because there's this theme here and this theme applies to your life. You're watching this stream today because you have a respect for Jesus. You would not be watching this today if you didn't have a respect and an honor for Jesus. Here's the deal. A respect for Jesus warrants something much deeper. Uh, a respect for Jesus calls us to a, another level. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, 
If you've ever had a true encounter with Jesus, or if you want to have an encounter with Jesus, it calls us to a deeper level. Because when you understand just who he is, he is the Messiah, he's a healer, he's a miracle worker and a profound teacher, but he's so much more than that. He's God in flesh. And when you have an encounter with him, it, it, it demands a verdict in our lives. It demands we do something. And it's more than just go, yeah, I like him and I'm good and I'm kind of on his side and hope he's on mine. No, so much more. The women saw Jesus, they fell down, and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And that is the, the, the demand. There's, there's a pull when you understand the magnitude of Jesus, who he is. You have to do something. And, and I want to ask you something today. Do you have a respect for Jesus? Or are you a worshiper? I need to ask you that today because what we're going to see in this glaring theme in the passage, those who encounter Jesus and understand who he is, the magnitude and the, the beauty and the glory of Jesus, you know what they do? They worship him. They have to. There's no other response when you know who he is. So the women fall down and they start worshiping. And we're going to see anybody who recognizes the resurrected Jesus, there's a common theme. When you re recognize the resurrected Jesus in your own life, there is a theme, and this is what it does. And, and so worshiping Jesus is the right response. It's the right response to the resurrected Jesus. And so Jesus tells these ladies, hey, listen, go tell my brothers uh, that they're going to see me too really soon. And it moves on in verse 16, our next scripture, and it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, this is a profound passage. Once again, suddenly, uh, the disciples, all of their sadness and all of their confusion go away in a second. Because when you encounter Jesus, that is what happens. He turns things around. Everything pales in comparison to the presence of Jesus, the resurrected one. And, and, and when they encountered him, they couldn't do anything but worship him. And it says in, in Luke's gospel, it says it was at this point, it was at this point that they finally remembered his words. Remember I said earlier they were sad, disappointed, they were confused because Jesus, their best friend and savior, is gone. And the reason was is because they forgot the very words of Jesus. And now it says in John's gospel, oh, that's what he was telling us to do. That's what he was telling us to hold on to. It's the same in your life. There's promises of God he wants you to hold on to. And we don't want to later on, after we go through a really crazy trial, look back and go, Oh, that's what I should have been remembering all along. So they remember all along. And so what they do here is the disciples, Judas is out of the picture. There's 11 of them left. And it says they, plurally, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And John's gospel elaborates on who actually was doing uh, the doubted. So most of them worshiped, and that is the right response, but some actually doubted. And it says this in John 20, verse 24. And you know what? I can relate to this, and hopefully you can too if you want to be real about this. There's some things in life where like, God, you're good. I love you, but I need a little proof. Anybody ever done that? Anybody? Can I get a witness? Anybody ever done that where you're like, 
I, I really need a little proof right now, God. I, I need a little help with this one. I got to see something. I got to touch something. I got to feel something. I, I appreciate faith, but I need something more right now. And, and that's okay to ask for, but we're going to see in the, pre, in, the, in the passage here, there's so much, something so much higher than that if we're willing to go there. It says this in John 20, 24. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand, and I put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Once again, I greatly respect those who need some proof, uh, who want some proof, who are open to this idea of Jesus coming and God's son, maybe, but need a little proof, make it more tangible, something to get. I, I get it. I understand it. I respect it. Many of us want that. Our faith has hundreds of plausible, reasonable answers for all these kind of questions about the reasonability of the Christian faith and the resurrection and uh, the calling and the purpose of God. It's called apologetics, and there are logical and brilliant answers that are sound for so many of these things. But Thomas in the passage is saying, I need proof. I got to see it for myself, and I got to touch it for myself. If I don't get to see him personally and I don't get to touch him personally, I'm not going to believe what you guys are saying. And that speaks for a lot of people in the world. So I got to just tell you something. Proof is not faith. And faith is not proof. The Bible says we're saved by faith. And, and faith is this thing where you begin to put your trust in God. It's okay to ask God for a sign. You can ask him for a sign. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes in the Bible, he shows up and does all kinds of cool signs. It's okay to ask. However, if you don't get a sign, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if you don't get a sign? I would propose to you, you move in faith. What I have found in my life is you move by faith and then God rewards with signs. God will reward you with signs and proofs and obvious things. He will reward you with the blessings that are subsequent to your faith. Uh, but it comes in that order. Some say, prove it and then I'll believe. But I believe God would tell you, believe and then I'll prove it. And that's what he's done in my life. Believe and then I'll prove it. I didn't get the proof on the front end. I came by faith and then he showed me proofs along the way. And maybe that's for some of you today. But Thomas is in the other camp. I'm not going to have any faith unless I get proof. And uh, God is seeking faith and God rewards faith. But Jesus shows up to Thomas and says, you know what, Thomas? I love you so much. I'm just going to prove it to you anyway. And he says, Thomas, come over here, buddy. See these hands? He's probably got these big old holes in his arms. See these? Uh, and, and let me show you my side. Why don't you get a little closer, Thomas? And Thomas is like, whoa, it's cool. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, Jesus. We're, we're good now. No, Thomas, we're not good. Come a little closer. Thomas is like, really, Jesus? He's like, give me your hand. Thomas is like, oh, we don't really have to do this. Like, no, Thomas, we do have to do this. Give me your hand. And I believe Jesus has taken his hand and going, I, I need to show you something, Thomas. And putting it in his side where the spear went. Just to say, Thomas, do you understand me now? And Thomas is probably, face as white as a ghost, probably felt very embarrassed that he asked for proof instead of faith. And was like, Lord. And you know what he said? He dropped to his knees, listen, Remember, we said there's a response to the resurrected Jesus. There is a response warranted to the resurrected Jesus. If you really have an encounter with him, there's a, a response that is warranted. Thomas fell to his knees and said, my Lord and my God. 
That's profound. Everyone in the story, everyone in the story who encountered the resurrected Jesus had no other response but to drop to their knees and worship the resurrected Jesus. That's powerful. I know you respect him. I know you like him. I know you honor him. But I want to ask you today, do you worship him? Because that is the warranted response for the resurrected Jesus. And listen, if you don't, maybe you don't know what it means. What does it even mean to worship? I don't know what it means. That's understandable. Discover and, and commit to the journey. That's my challenge to you today. You might say it's not my style. It's not my personality. This has nothing to do about style and personality. This has everything to do with who he is. This has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has everything to do with who he is. And when you know who he is and his power and his magnitude and his glory, there is no other response but to drop to your knees and live your life as an act of worship to him because that is the right response. Everyone in the story dropped to their knees and worshiped. And I hope you and I, in response to the resurrected, resurrected Jesus, do uh, the same. Um, so anyway, here's what's amazing about this. Oh, and by the way, Tom, Jesus tells Thomas, you know what? I gave you proof, buddy. Let me tell you something, Thomas. Blessed are those who believe and do not see. I know you needed to see, and I showed you, Thomas. You'll never forget what I showed you. But blessed are those who believe and do not see. And so those of you who are with us today in this service on this live stream, or if you watch it later on YouTube, here's the deal or a podcast. You are blessed because you are tracking with us today because you believe in the resurrection story of Jesus. You believe. And he didn't necessarily prove something to you maybe to believe. You, you believe by faith. And he says, blessed are you because you believe without the proof, without having to see everything. And so God blesses you and honors you. Here's an amazing thing about this movement, the Christian movement. It's a group of Jewish people who simply believe the Messiah obviously came. And any Jewish people and our friends and uh, neighbors who are Jewish, anybody who would plausibly and logically look at the scriptures of who the Messiah is going to be, when he comes, where he's going to come, how he's going to come, and what's he going to do. It's so obvious that Jesus filled all this stuff. So obvious. But this movement of Jewish people following Jesus, Messianic Jewish movement, they didn't even use the word Christian yet. That was used later on. This Jewish sect of people, a group of Jews believing in Jesus, was small and started to grow. And it grew into some movement that went around the globe because it's real and because it's true. It's God's message. But they wanted so bad to stop the message. And there are some today that want so bad to stop the message. There have always been people trying to stop the message. How, what would it take to stop this movement? You know, all it would have taken to stop this movement, it's hard to stop. And if they could have stopped it, they would have stopped it. But all they would have had to do, this is important, all they would have had to do to stop this movement is produce the body. That's all. Just produce the body. And very easy to stop this movement if they could only produce the body. But they couldn't. The most powerful government and military in the entire world could not produce the body. The most powerful, the working, uh, working in cooperation, the government working in cooperation with the religious leaders of the day could not produce the body. Uh, if they did, they would have crushed this new movement. 
But if the body is alive, and if the body walks and talks and preaches and loves, if these things are true, then guess what? The resurrection is real and Jesus is unstoppable. That's what it means if these things are true, the resurrection is real and Jesus is unstoppable. And you need to know that because he is unstoppable. The one you follow is unstoppable. The one you walk with is unstoppable. You need to know that because death is going to hold a lot of people down. But the one who broke through death is unstoppable. And the Bible says that he's the firstborn among many. The Bible says that if we die in Christ, we will rise in Christ. And this is where it starts getting good. In fact, the resurrection, guys, it lists seven different appearances of, of, of Jesus' resurrection. He appears to people here, people there, all over the place. He appeared to 500 at one time. You know, in the Bible, it tells us 500 people at one time. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and these are people he ate with and he ate, drank with and he talked with and he preached to and he served. It says this, then he appeared to Peter... And then to the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, many of whom are still living at the time of this writing, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, this is Paul talking here, as, he, as to the one abnormally born. These are the, the appearances of Jesus to those uh, in the first century. So you have all these appearances, uh, and many were told to deny it. They told these believers, listen, you better stop telling people Jesus is alive. And they said, if you don't stop telling people Jesus is alive, we will kill you. That's how serious we are about stopping this movement. It has to stop. And again, this goes on today. There are sectors of society and places and people and motives in the world, spirit of Antichrist, that want to stop this message. And they told him, if you keep sharing this story about Jesus being alive, we're coming after you, you're going to die. And you know what they said? Do what you need to. We can't help but speaking about the very things that we've seen and we've heard. We know what we've seen. We know what we've heard. How can we deny that? Do whatever you have to. And early Christians were martyred willing to be martyred because they couldn't deny what they've seen and what they've heard. I only say that because some are willing to do that and some of you still won't post this on your page. Some are willing to say, I can't deny it, throw me to the lions. And some are like, yeah, I don't wanna, I don't wanna click that button and share that to my page. I, I wanna say that to you because God's calling you to have faith and he's calling you to have boldness. And we're living in days, guys, where it's time to get bold. It's time to be real. It's time to get empowered by God and be bold. And so this is amazing. So they were told stop, and they said, listen, we can never stop, and we will never stop. Here's the last few things I want to wrap up on. In fact, if uh, Isaac, you want to come up and lead us in some good uh, worship, can I too? Um, check this out. When Jesus rose from dead, what did it do? What did it actually do? What, did, what changed? Here's one thing you got to know. He proved his words are true. If he said all those great things, all those amazing things, and yet did not conquer death like he said he would, he said, I have the power to lay it down and pick it up. If it didn't happen, well, with all due respect, he wasn't true and his words aren't true. But if he did what he said, his words are true. You can open your Bible and you could read scriptures, specifically his red letters, but all of it and go, Jesus said this himself. The red letters are Jesus' words. 
His words are true. The Bible is true. And he also proved that he could conquer death. He guaranteed that there's this possibility, this option for you, that if you are in Christ, that you too will conquer death. All that die in Christ will rise in Christ. This is important because you gotta be in Christ. It's not just, I, I, I think I know who he is. I think I have a little respect for him. No, it's being in Christ. And only you know if you're in Christ or not, but you're in or out. You're not on the fence or just wanna check it out or maybe you know hear the message once a year. You, you're like, I, I'm either in Christ or I'm not in Christ. And I wanna challenge you, ask yourself, am I in Christ? Because those who die in Christ will rise in Christ. Um, to Martha, he says this. He says this in John eleven twenty five. He says to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, listen, if you really believe that, if you die... You're going to rise. You're going to rise again. If you die in me, you will rise again. You need to know that because it's a reality and it is true. And sadly, some die not in Christ. And there isn't this kind of resurrection here to life that he's promising. And in fact, resurrection means to rise again. Uh, the, the Greek word, listen to this, it's anastasis. It might sound familiar to you. Anastasis. Where have I heard that word before? Well, it's where we get our word anesthesia from. Anastasis, to rise again. Anesthesia, it's from the same root word. To, to, to rise again. Now, a couple of days from now, I have to go in for a procedure, for a surgery. And in this surgery, I will be going under anesthesia, anastasis. That's what I'm gonna go under. And the intention here, the intention with anesthesia is to put you down low enough to still be with us that they can work and do whatever they need to do. No pain, no reaction, no manifestation when you're on the table. Put you down low enough with the intention, with the intention and the hope of bringing you back again, Anastasius, to come to life again. Does that make sense? That's the plan. And that's why they called me just the other day and they got on the phone and they did a bunch of interview questions with me and said, is there any um, allergies to anesthesia in your family? Has anybody reacted? Has there been a manifestation about this? And the reason they have to ask these questions is because some go down, listen, and some don't come back. And they don't want that to happen. Some go down and doesn't go the way they want it to go. And, and so they got to make sure, is everything going to be good? We know what we're doing. We just got to make sure that, but listen, that's just the procedure when you're alive. What's so much more important is when you die, anastasia, anastasis coming to life again, to rise again, rise again. You need to know and remember anesthesia because guys, anesthesia is a foreshadow of what's to come. If you've ever been under anesthesia, God let you get a little glimpse of what's to come. That when we check out of this life, and I've done plenty of funerals, and you know, that's the only time that people ever come to terms with passing. We try not to think of it. We don't even want to plan for it. We don't even, we want to ignore it. And this is the human nature that thinking we're going to live forever. And it's a reality. It's appointed unto man once to die. It's going to happen and then the judge. It's going to happen to all of us. But the point is not that reality. The point is rising again. 
if you've been under anesthesia, you've experienced just a little glimpse of what it's like to come back again. And if you haven't, listen, anastasis awaits you. If you're in Christ, it awaits you. The story doesn't end with the resurrection, guys. It only begins there. The story begins with the resurrection. Because in Romans 8, 11, it says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies and his spirit who lives in you, through his spirit who lives in you, Jesus will give life to your mortal body. This is amazing. Jesus wants to do great things with your life. Uh, you have to let his spirit empower you. His spirit empowers, just like the spirit breathed into Jesus and brought him to life. For those who are alive, the spirit also is willing to breathe life, this extra dimension that he does to give you spiritual life, literally even to your mortal body here and now. That's the abundant life Jesus talks about. To not just be half alive, to but be fully alive. And our vision for you as a church, our vision is to help you become fully alive. And I wanna ask you humbly, but sincerely and directly, if you're not plugged into a church family or a church home, or you're checking out the stream wherever you're at, if you're around the country, you need to find a, you need to find a church home somewhere. But listen, our vision and our mission is to help you not be half alive, but be fully alive. And be fully alive in Christ and the power of the Spirit. That you can walk out the fullness of His calling in your life. That is our prayer for you. That is our hope for you. We are willing to come alongside you and help you and to encourage you and to train you and to equip you and to pray for you and to give you opportunities so that you can sail for the glory of God. I want to humbly ask you to give us that opportunity to come alongside you to do that. If you're far away and you're not in proximity of us here in LA, I want to encourage you to find a church family somewhere that wants to do the same. Because that's what the church has been doing for 2,000 years. Been doing this. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. This is we're, We want to be about our Father's business which is reaching lost and making disciples, helping you grow to become all God called you to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer, and I'm going to pray two things. I'm going to pray for those of you who are in the church, the family of believers, that you take this anastasis on a whole other level, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will be living in you in a whole other dimension from this point forward, that you're going to step into a new level of life that God's calling uh, you into and that he's equipping you for and he's empowering you for. Uh, but I trust there's some out there and I'm sure there are some, whether it's through the live stream, YouTube or um, iTunes, wherever you get this feed, maybe Facebook right now, uh, maybe Instagram right now. But there are some of you, you, you appreciate, you respect, you wouldn't even be tracking this long if you didn't have a little bit of respect for Jesus. But listen, you haven't stepped in and you know you didn't get in the boat with Jesus. You appreciate him. He's in the boat. He's good. But you didn't get in the boat with Jesus. And life only begins when you get in the boat with Jesus. You're not half in Christ. You're in or you're out. And I want to encourage you. Today is the day for you. You don't wait for tomorrow on this stuff. He's calling you by name. He loves you more than you know. He knew you before you were born. He gave you your birthday. He gave you your gifts. He gave you your talents. He's got aspirations for you you know not of. Great and mighty things you know not of, but you got to get in the boat with Jesus. 
So let's bow our heads wherever you're at. Let's make this a, a holy moment, whether you're on your couch or listen with your earbuds, whatever you got, you, your iPod, you know, I mean, your, your, um, your phones, your headphones, you're driving in your car, wherever you're getting this message, your feet. Let's have a holy moment with God. Uh, Lord, we come before you today. I just want to pray specifically first and foremost for those out there that are listening to this, that have a respect for you, but have not made the intentional commitment. I pray, Lord, I sent you knocking at the door of their heart and you say in scripture, you say, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And you say, if you hear my voice and if you open the door, I will come in. You also say in scripture, you will never leave and forsake us. And we know this is predicated on the fact that we know who you are and we know who we are not. You're the Lord and we're not. It's predicated on the fact that your ways are the highways and the true ways and ours aren't. But we want to turn. We want to follow you. We want to ask that you take away our sins. We believe you died on the cross. We believe you rose from the grave. And our commitment from this day forward is to follow you, to follow you. And so, Jesus, show us how to follow you. Give us the strength to walk with you. Show us how to get traction now in this new walk. Put your spirit inside of us that we can begin this new journey. Breathe life into us that we can start this new journey with you. And I thank you for it by faith. And if that's you, you can tell it by Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, you need to tell another believer in your life. you got to tell another believer in your life, somebody you know. Let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Email us through the website. You can find our information. But let us know. Reach out. We want to help you grow and get traction. That's important to us. Maybe some of you, you know, this is like a new year to you. You step into something new. Maybe some of you have never been water baptized. That's the first thing you do when you make a commitment. Hit us up. We will heat up the jacuzzi and we will baptize you. And we can do it this week. Amen. This, this stuff matters. It's time to start being a disciple. Not just a distant believer, not someone at the end of the crowd. Be someone who's walking with Jesus. You will have stories to tell. You will get in on the big stuff, on the purpose. Uh, and that's the zone you want to live in. So if that's you, let us know. And for everybody else, we are praying that this year you are filled with the Spirit of God, that you walk in the power, that the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit would be so alive in you that he will give life to your mortal bodies in a whole new way, in a whole new level, a whole new dimension. And you will live for God's glory in a way you never thought possible. So stay tuned. God sees you. God sees you. He knows you. And he loves you. Open your heart wider and watch what he's going to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Happy Resurrection Sunday, family.